Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. We're heading off to Australia and New Zealand, where we will be appearing live and recording an episode in Christchurch on the 11th of May, Auckland on the 14th of May, Wellington on the 15th of May, Adelaide on the 18th of May, Perth on the 20th, Sydney on the 23rd, Melbourne on the 25th, Brisbane on the 27th, and finally Canberra on the 28th of May. So get in and get your tickets now. They are going very fast. Please go to guiltyfeminist.com and just click on live shows for any of these events. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm a feminist, but I do wax my legs. For years, my mum told me I shouldn't because, in her words, no one can see this hair on your leg, Jennifer. Okay? You would need some sort of magnifying glass to see this hair, some microscope, some, some telescope to see this hair on your... No, cannot see this hair on your... You could see it from 40 feet. There's no... I'm half Spanish. I'm a hairy woman. To be honest, I could have been an extra for gorillas in the mist. I mean, I'm that hairy. My mum would never let me shave my legs, never let me wax them, never let me do anything to them. She would just say, like, leave it, Jennifer, leave it, OK? It would fall off. It didn't. <laughs> Did your mum ever tell you it was going to fall off? It doesn't, does it? Just, if anything, it's thicker. It's got to about 15. And for those of you that ever waited this long, if you don't shave the hair on your legs, it's not really hair, is it? It's kind of fuzz. And what this fuzz did is it generated a very intense static electricity. <laughs> which meant that when I used to cross the playground, it was like, <laughs> crisp packets would stick to my legs. <laughs> it's at that point as an adolescent 15-year-old, as you're peeling a packet of what sits off your shins, that I thought, I'm going to shave these. <laughs> and I did. I'm a feminist, but I haven't yet seen the film Suffragette. But I did find the time to see Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> did you? I did. I can only assume it's appalling. How appalling is it? Oh, it's so bad. I couldn't... Well, the thing is, I wanted to know what happened and I couldn't read the book because the prose was so bad. But... Oh, well, then definitely watch the movie. It's so bad, I can't read it. I must watch it. Well, sometimes the prose can be bad, but the visuals can be good. Right. It's more, I just don't want to read, you know... Oh, she walked across the room to see him and then he looked at her darkly like Christian Grey does but put that on screen dynamite (laughs) not so much I'm a feminist but after a gig when a bloke came up to me and said I thought you were really funny I don't usually find women funny can I buy you a drink instead of saying what you mean a woman's never made you laugh what your mum 
your sister, your aunt, your cousin, a friend. What? You don't find women funny because women aren't funny because women's never made you laugh? Is that right, fella? Well, what, you're in your 30s and a woman has never made you laugh? What? Until now, this moment, this moment today, in this 20 minutes, was the first time a woman has ever made you laugh? Is that right, fella? Is it? Is it? Instead, I said, I'd love a glass of Pinot, thank you. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I was disappointed that in the movie Fifty Shades of Grey, <laughs> most of the money shots are actual money shots. <laughs> They're shots of money. There's hardly any sex, but loads of pictures of his like private helicopter and stuff, like loads of sequences of him sitting in money. There was hardly any spanking, is what I'm saying. I'm a feminist. But when I go to playgroups or playgrounds where there are other mothers and I get into very awkward conversations that start with them assuming that I am the biological mother of my children and they ask me questions, really intrusive questions, like, um, did you breastfeed? How was it breastfeeding twins? It must have been so hard. Childbirth. What was the childbirth like? God, I can't even imagine. It must have been so awful. The childbirth. How was it? <laughs> I say... It was easy, actually. <laughs> Just slipped out. <laughs> Ten minutes tops. <laughs> Bye. You're, you're actually a terrible person. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I will probably see Fifty Shades of Grey Part 2, <laughs> Fifty Shades Darker or Fifty Shades Shitter or whatever it's called, <laughs> on a plane, but I promise if I do to also watch Suffragette and Suffragette Fifty Shades Votier. <laughs> You're a good woman, Deborah. I am a good woman. You are a good good woman. woman. Live from the Dance House Theatre in Manchester, the Spontaneous Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with Deborah Francis White and guest co host Jen Brister and very special guest Kate O'Donnell talking about male privilege. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. Please put your hands together and make general woohooing noises for Jen Brister! I think we can all agree, men have the greatest privilege of all in lots of ways, don't they? Because they're allowed to age. <laughs> have, you no- have you noticed that? Men are allowed to get craggy and old and hairy and fat. And what do the straight women in the room do? You look at your partner, don't you? You go, ooh. Isn't he rugged? He's so sexy. Look at that paunch. He hasn't seen his dick since 1983. Ooh. Meanwhile, as women, what are we doing? We're always having to feel like we have to look younger, don't we? We're sort of laminating our faces and ironing our necks and Botoxing everything. Botox, that's the thing I don't understand. Why are we bothering with that? It's always the thing that actors do, don't they? They Botox their faces. Why would you paralyse the one part of your body you need in order to do your job properly? about you and happy and sad and angry tell your face love because no one knows <laughs> can you imagine boxers botoxing their arms it'd be shit <laughs> i don't think as when we should try to look uh, younger anymore I don't, I don't i don't think we should buy into that i think we should just look good for our age you know what i mean i don't want to look younger than my years of 42 i'm going to say it out loud i've said it there now you know i just want to look Good for 42, yeah? Now, I don't know, maybe it's because, maybe because it is a, I'm a big old lezard, but I see you ladies. <laughs> oh, I see you, yeah? 
And I see women that are certainly my age and older. And, I, and I, sometimes I notice women, you know, like in their 50s, 60s and 70s, you know, women that really look after themselves. They look elegant and beautiful. They don't look younger than their age. They just look really good for their age. And you just look at them and you think, my God, you are gorgeous. My God, you are beautiful. I hope that when I get to your age, I look as good as you. Yeah? And then you look at their husbands, don't you? And you find yourself thinking... Oh! <laughs> straight girlfriends who say things to this to me they go Jen you wouldn't understand this but as a woman (laughs) you wouldn't understand this but as a woman it's really hard because when you hit middle age you become invisible to men and how can I have any sense of self-worth if when I walk into a room a man doesn't notice me how can I augment my self-esteem if a man I find physically repulsive. <laughs> Doesn't notice me when I walk not know. I can't have any sense of agency, Jen. If a man that uh, makes my fucking skin crawl <laughs> doesn't want to fuck me. <laughs> and obviously, I, I, I really feel for, for my friends. I really do. I don't actually have that problem because... I actually suffer from a condition, a lot of gay women suffer from this condition, and it actually gets worse as you get older, but I'm, um, I'm man blind. <laughs> so I can't see you people. I can hear you. <laughs> so I know how to avoid you. But if you can't see me, well then that's win fucking win as far as I'm concerned. on the television I want to see more women you know my age and older on telly I mean it, it's not not unusual is it to see sort of some haggard old man with some young woman as a sidekick I miss Moira Stewart do you remember Moira Stewart <laughs> the millennials won't know about Moira but we remember Moira we remember Moira and we miss her yeah she, she was also a very beautiful woman yeah she hit 50 and the BBC went be gone witch <laughs> be gone your aged face doth offend us. <laughs> now you can only get her on Radio 2. That's it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Trevor McDonald. <laughs> no one seems to know this, but that guy's been dead for at least five years. And they will not terminate his contract. <laughs> incredibly quick challenge so it's male privilege i earlier rang today to see if there were any tables at restaurant in london and i'm we're gonna have to edit out where we're ringing and they said for lunch tomorrow and they said no so i'm now going to ring up on behalf of a man now you have to be really quiet and you cannot laugh i have to step away from the microphone so i'm not amplified so they don't know what i'm doing okay i'm gonna try Oh, I must disable airplane to call. Okay. Fair enough. That doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. Or you're not binary. If you've got it on airplane, it's not going to work. That's not sexist, it's just technology.
okay, I was meant to do it. Is there anything you can do for me? He's just, he's, it's, it's his wife's birthday, but also there's a whole thing going on because he's getting on with a special award and, uh, and I, I promised I would do it. Is there anything you can do for me? Oh, that would be fine, that would be fantastic. Thank you so much, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay, fantastic. Okay, you wanted details, so I hang up. <laughs> convinced it was going to work. I was like, they're going to say no. No, no, it worked. He said he could do me half an hour earlier. But when I rang up today, there was nothing. But what I've discovered is a woman ringing up isn't as good as a woman ringing up. On behalf of a man. On behalf of a man. And slightly vulnerable to a man. Slightly vulnerable to a man. Like, he'll be so upset with me. And then there's a sort of status going on there, isn't there? I'll save you, lady. It was a man as well. Would that have worked with a woman if you'd spoken to a woman, do you think? It works if the man is important. That's why I said he was a theatrical agent and he was terribly important. And he'd won an award. I thought that, oh my that God. sounded I, good. I, I was like, who is this guy? How do you know him? <laughs> no, I just made him up. I hope amazing. A amazing. theatrical agent because then they'll be like, oh, we're not giving him a table again. His PA's just bloody well hung up. Um, but yeah, it works. And early I rang up for myself and there was nothing at all. But suddenly an important man wanted a table. Mm. Um, so, guys, this is what you do. You want a reservation somewhere. You ring up and you say, I'm so, so sorry, but I've forgotten about a man. <laughs> they oh, you must remember him. Interest. Has anyone here lived without uh, running water? Yeah. Anyone lived? Yes, yes. Where did it happen? Travara in a tiny village in where? Italy. Italy. How long did you not have running water for? Six weeks. And did you appreciate it more when you came back? Yes. Yeah. How long did you appreciate it for? About six weeks, about six weeks. That's long, that's long. I would say most people would feel the lack for six weeks and appreciate it for a day and a half. <laughs> Anybody else lived without running water? Yes? Um, I did about a week and a half. A week and a half, where were you? Thailand, on a gap year? Um, a gap week. <laughs> You're not putting the effort in there, are you? <laughs> You did a gap week. I've had a gap week. I thought it was just a holiday. But anyway, oh, I like, I like, I like you've named it. It was a gap week. And you had no water for a week and a half in Thailand. When you got back, did you appreciate it? Oh, my God, it was amazing. Oh, my God, it was amazing. How long for? Oh, you got back to the hotel. And you enjoyed it for a night at the hotel. Then you went home and then you were like, yeah, this is yeah. normal again. Yeah. Anybody else? Anybody else lived without water? Just shout out. Three days. Where were you? We were having building work. Having building work done. <laughs> it not... It's a delightful and less glamorous contribution. Uh, you were having building work done. Did you appreciate it when it came back on? Till the end of the shower, yeah. Till the end of the shower. Absolutely. This is what people are. Now, here's the thing. Because we have all had running water all our lives, and there doesn't seem to be anyone who's had it not long before, you know, these sort of short periods, we are all entitled to water. If you went home tonight and there was no water coming out of your taps, you would call the council. Then if they'd say, oh yeah, we're getting it back on, and you go, okay, then fine. And then if it wasn't on in another 24 hours, you'd ring the council crossly at that point, right? And the next day, if it still wasn't on, you'd be tweeting about it. So that's how we deal with things now. Tweet about them until they get fixed. At no point would you just go, well, we just don't have water anymore. Does anyone have a jug? I guess we'll be walking down to a river. I guess that's how we live now. No point! Do you know why? You've had water all your life. And inclusion is a lot like water. There are men who have been included in every room they've ever been in. Now, not all men, but some men have been included. Let's be clear. Some white straight men, not all white straight men. Some white straight men have walked into rooms and immediately been bullied and had to leave. Not every white straight man 
can walk into every room, but every room has a white straight man in it. Not every literal room, but every room of influence. <laughs> every... Jen, when you go home tonight, check under the cupboards, look under the bed, I'm telling you, there'll be one there. Every room of influence. And that is why you see an entitlement with some white straight men, not all, but some white straight men, hashtag not all men, but some white straight men feel entitled to inclusion in every room they're in. I have seen posh white men in investment banks in the city of London walk into the wrong room, look around and just go, well, it's the right room now because I'm in it. <laughs> and they started telling somebody in that room how to do their job. They've interrupted a conversation going, yeah, you don't want to be doing that. And I've looked at them and gone, you couldn't even find the right fucking room. <laughs> in what world do you think you're an expert in this conversation? But here's the thing, guys. That's what entitlement is. Entitlement is the residue of privilege. If you have always had the privilege of hot and cold running water, if you've always had the privilege of shower, now there's no hot showers in nature, but if you've had access to a hot shower every day of your life, it becomes your entitlement. And that's ultimately what male privilege is. Now, of course, an individual white man might not be allowed into an individual room because, you know, he hasn't scrubbed up and it's an operating theatre. <laughs> and he's not a surgeon. <laughs> but that would be more a case of he didn't bother to do the exams. And in that case, he'll go, OK, fair play, I'm not allowed in that room. Even though I think I'd probably be quite good at it, if I was allowed in, I reckon I could have a good go. I put my own shelves up, I reckon I could probably do a bypass if needed. But they will kind of go, OK, fair enough, I'm not allowed in that room. But people like me, people of my kind, people with my most obvious identifying signifiers, people like me are always allowed in rooms like that. So it's all right, because there's one of my guys in there handling it. And often people will say, well, women, you should be more confident. Who's been told that as a woman, or as women in general, we should be more confident? Just go, yay, if you have? Yay! Okay, great, but it wasn't a happy yay, was it? It was like, well, people always tell me I should be more confident. But here's the thing, guys. Confidence is the product of our experience. And someone once told me that she uh, lived in Bolivia, where, and in her, the area she was in, she was never sure if she was going to get water. So she'd turn on the tap, and some days there'd be water there, and she'd turn on the tap, and other days there wouldn't be water there. So she'd go over to the tap like this. Is there going to be any water? Yay, water today. Is there going to be water? No. Oh, well, no water today, and that's what she was used to. I think women and confidence and inclusion are like that. I think confidence is the product of our experience. And we have often been either excluded from rooms or we have been tentatively included where people have gone, well, what are you bringing? The men have gone, what are you bringing? Are you bringing anything good into this room? Are you bringing sex appeal into this room? If so, come in. Are you bringing, are you bringing a sort of whimsical humour that I might enjoy sort of once every 12 to 15 minutes? If so, yes, fine. Are you bringing beer? Sure, in you come. But you've got to be bringing something in that I value. So that's a sort of tentative inclusion into rooms. And that is why women go into rooms like this. Is there inclusion in here? Like they're turning on a tap. And sometimes, just like that woman in Bolivia, you get a tiny dribble and you think, oh, it's better than nothing. Oh, this is a bit of inclusion, isn't it? I'll take that dribble. Oh, isn't it nice? I can at least wash my hands a bit. I can't wash the backs, but I can wash the fronts. And that's better than yesterday where I had nothing. And I, oh, oh, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for letting me speak in this meeting for one minute, even though there's only six of us and it's gone on for an hour. So technically, <laughs> technically, I should have spoken for 10 minutes. Well, 10 minutes and two minutes for the history of the world and and to make up for that that's why we walk into rooms like that we don't walk into rooms like that because we are fundamentally underconfident there's something fundamentally underconfident about women we walk into rooms like that because of the product of our experience and when people say women should be more confident what they're saying is walk into a room as if you will definitely be included despite your experience walk into a room and pretend that all the things that have ever happened to you haven't happened. <laughs> Walk in like this. I'm sure all the men in here will be pleased to hear from me. I'll speak first. <laughs> speak up in meetings as if you won't be interrupted, even though you will. <laughs> Volunteer to be on a panel, even though you'll be told not you. Volunteer again, 
you are put front and center. You haven't had a good experience doing that in the past, but I'm sure this time will be different. <laughs> and frankly, that's fucking good advice. That is what you should do. It's what men are doing. They're assuming inclusion. And until we start to assume inclusion and do what men do when they are not granted inclusion, which is angrily demand it, and that is what they do. Have you ever tried to start a women's network in your company or industry? What did the men say? Why can't we come? Where is the men's network? Where is International Men's Day? Why is there not hot and cold running privilege coming out of my taps? Thank you very much. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Our guest is an actress here currently in Twelfth Night, which is about to open at the Manchester Royal Exchange. And she also has a theatre company called Trans Creative. Please put your hands together and make excited woohooing noises for Kate O'Donnell. so much for coming. You're so welcome. It was only around the corner. <laughs> I'm glad we haven't put you out. Um, so you suggested the title Male Privilege. I Tell did. us why. Well, I was once, I lived as a man. You don't realise you have male privilege until you lose it. Tell me more. Well, Grayson Perry, he talks about masculinity. He said it's like asking a fish how they feel about water. It's so around them, they don't even notice it. And I just thought, because I was this very feminine, gay, I was from Coventry. <laughs> uh, I didn't have the best start. <laughs> because of that, I thought, well, I didn't even... It's like a division, male privilege. You can kind of divide it up by your class, your education, your background, you know, your race. Well, also how masculine you seem. Yeah. Because men can exclude somebody who doesn't seem masculine enough to join their tribe. And I wasn't masculine. <laughs> it's hard to believe, isn't it? It is. People actually think that... People, go, people say to me, go, God, your voice, you know, as a woman, it's amazing, isn't it? Did you have a lot of voice therapy? I went, no, I had this voice for 38 years. <laughs> I got misgendered on telephones all the time. So people, you know, I kind of... I wasn't out there as a man. Can I ask, in, I'm just trying to imagine what tangible or, you know, ways that you were like, oh, my God, that never used to happen. Oh, yeah. That's changed. Yeah. Right, so I worked as a trainer for quite a long time when I was living as my effeminate gay male self. And then when I transitioned, suddenly when I started to do the same training, people would call me bossy. Oh. And they never called me bossy before. Just a servant. Just thought, you know, a leader. Good at your job. You know, what a great trainer you are. How depressing that oh is. Oh my God, that's so Suddenly I was bossy. is good at your job and afterwards is bossy. Yeah, and I used to go, I'm not bossy, I'm the boss. <laughs> And then also, the other thing that I really discovered that is most disappointing, I love cake. And as soon as I transitioned, you know you go to a cafe and there's a lovely cake and it's kind of been divided up. Mm. Not always equally. No. No. Not and, always in a socialist manner. No. <laughs> and I would go to, I'd go to get a bit of cake. And as a woman, they would give me the smallest... No! And I'd go, no, you're OK. I want the big bit of cake there. So my advice is, in terms of male privilege, if I had to run a workshop, I would say, if women want to have some of that male privilege, ask for a bigger piece of cake. Yeah. That's it in a nutshell. Yeah. We need that on a T-shirt. Guilty feminists, ask for a bigger piece of cake. Um, 
You said that your boyfriend is also transgender. He is. He's here tonight. Is he? Hey. He's come to visit me from Brighton. Hello, Taylor. <laughs> he loves being name-checked. Is his name Taylor? Yeah, Taylor Blue. Is it really? Yeah. Is he in your boy band? Uh, <laughs> sounds a lot like he's in a boy band. Can I just say something funny about Taylor today? Yeah. I was saying to him today, can we kind of look at some of the, the programme and you know, what yeah. we're doing today? Can we check it up? Up until about an hour before we got here, he didn't know I was in it. He <laughs> <laughs> just thought I got some tickets, it'd be nice. Oh, he didn't know you were up on stage. He thought you were in the audience together. He didn't know how fabulous I am that I'd be invited to such a beautiful event. Taylor, obviously, as far as Kate's considered, theatre is for being in, not for watching. <laughs> That's clear. And so has Taylor... Is it all right to ask about this, Taylor? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to come up as well? No. Are you sure? <laughs> We'd love to hear He'd from you. He'd hate that. Would I you? Don't. Okay, fair enough. Um, in that case, I'll ask your girlfriend to speak on your behalf because this is because this is the male privilege episode. I am his first girlfriend. So this is the first time he's been able to call himself a boyfriend. Oh, oh. It's that kind of a night, isn't it? We can share yeah. that. Kind of I thing. want you to be my boyfriend now, Taylor. Uh, <laughs> can I just tell you how difficult it is to be a 52-year-old woman? <laughs> Trans woman dating. You can't have it. No, sure, sure. I retract the invitation to be your girlfriend, Taylor. That is permanently retracted for the Very rest different. of my life. Yeah, I, I was fearing for your life <laughs> just in that absolutely. moment. No, fair enough. Absolutely fair enough. It was more in a way of I want Taylor to be able to say he's had lots of girlfriends. I could go out with him for like ten minutes, just so he could say. Well, like just walk next to him down the corridor. You're mine now. No, it wasn't predatory. It was charming. (laughs) Although, if you have to say that, (laughs) there's always a question mark, isn't it? Sorry, you misunderstood. I wasn't being predatory. I was being charming. Can I just say something about dating? I decided three years ago I would never date a straight cisgendered man again. Cisgendered means you're not trans. People don't know. I like to call them sissies. <laughs> Why did you make that decision? I couldn't bear it. I went out with one for eight years. Because I went out with gay men, lovely, but I wasn't a gay man, so I had to stop doing that. And then after you've had... Um, I had surgeries. I, it wasn't going to work, me going out with gay men, but I really missed that equality. You know, yeah. I felt like I was kind of meeting them somewhere. And I went out with a straight man for eight years, and I struggled with that. What was it about the experience? Most things. <laughs> I was suddenly the only thing that, like, his mum, the only thing she used to ask me was, I was 40 when I went out with him, and he was 30, and she'd say, so you've never been married? I'd go, no. You don't have any children. And it was like I'd failed as a woman. And in the end, my boyfriend... Your mother-in-laws can be different. <laughs> in the end, my boyfriend had to say, she can't have children, she's got something up with her tubes. <laughs> so we got over that one. Wow. Do you find that Taylor's experience is different from when he was presenting as a woman to now? Yeah, totally. He's gained male privilege. I want to hear about that. Yeah, I really want to hear about To be honest, just talk. Uh, he said to me that people now listen to him more. I so want to be a man yeah. for that. And actually, can I just say, he's got a new cleaner, right? I have a cleaner. He has a cleaner, right? His new cleaner makes his bed and folds up his underpants, whether they're clean or dirty. <laughs> Yeah. I have never had that experience of a cleaner. Mm. That's interesting, isn't it? That somebody... Is the cleaner a woman? Yeah. It's sort of the looking after, isn't it? That yeah. men can't look after themselves, they need yeah. to be looked after and they need to be mothered. Yeah. Whereas probably a cleaner isn't going to pick up the dirty knickers of a woman off the floor and go, no. oh, I should fold no. them into That's because we don't leave our dirty knickers on the floor. <laughs> True, actually. Do we? I'm, I'm, I sometimes do. Okay, fine. <laughs> there is something about the being listened to. I mean, I'm sure, Deborah, you can relate to this. When you do the job that we do, this is very different, by the way. I was getting laughs from you when I shouldn't have, frankly. <laughs> I mean, I'm not knocking it. Keep it going. Keep it going, keep it going. But ordinarily, if you're doing a gig in a club setting, don't you find there's that first few minutes where they're like, oh, God, this will be shit. And you have to, like, in that moment, you have to... You have to steal it, you have to take it back and you have to own it and they have to, you have to grab them by the balls straight away. When you do any job, whatever it is, if you fail, it's not, 
oh, well, she just wasn't a very good stand-up comedian. It's like, well, all female stand-up comedians are now shit because I've seen one and she yeah, wasn't very good. we do tend to be judged on our gender a lot more quickly. If a man is crap, it's just like, that guy's crap. If a woman's crap, it's like, all women are crap. Yeah. And we're always representing our gender the whole time. And it's because we're quite new in the workplace. Um, we've only been really in the workplace for about 100 years. Mm. <laughs> we, we have. That's quite new. It's quite new. Because think of the 10,000 years... Before that, I don't know that most men are aware of the ten thousand years before, are they? Are they? I mean, I yeah, but it's structural. It's societal and structural, though, isn't it? It's sort of like banks, investment banks are created for and by men, so women have to fit in. So what I think of it is like this: men's feet, in general, are bigger than women's feet. That is a trend. It's not an absolute. I've got bigger feet than lots of men. Probably you. But, but in general, that's true. So if every woman had to work in shoes that were three sizes too big, like I say a woman had to run a Michelin-starred kitchen, but the shoes were like clown shoes, and she was tripping over, she'd be more uncomfortable than a man, she'd be than her male counterpart, even though he'd just run a Nando's. And what people will say is they'll go, well, he could wear those shoes. But the thing is, those shoes are right for him. They're not better shoes. Sometimes clowns wear big shoes, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And we're given the shoes. I, hear, I know, I know. We're given the shoes and then we're told we're not doing as good a job, but it's because we're in pain and we keep stepping out of our shoes and we're tripping over, because that's the structure is created for men. Do you think that's true in the theatre? You've just started a theatre company. Yes, I have. Transcreative. And it's really exciting because there was that gap. You know, there was, I didn't feel like there was my story being told out there. Mm. And so, um, there, I mean, there are trans performers and there are trans artists, but we were very lucky. We've just got some money for three years to set up uh, this trans company. It's really interesting where we're booked and how we're booked. And what's strange for me is about that whole thing, and it was kind of going into about how theatre works and how that's structured. Like, when I started to get funding or get my work put on, people would be like, yeah, it's because you're trans. You got that funding because you're trans. It's like, no, actually, it doesn't work like that. You don't just fill in an application form for funding and go, I am trans. <laughs> you know, it doesn't work like that. You have to kind of have something to offer and a project. So I've been really interested in that and trying to be, our idea is to be trans positive because there's a lot of stuff out there about being trans, but it's about, is it trans positive? There's a lot of narratives that aren't trans positive. So that's the kind of thinking behind the theatre company. But it's really interesting because I've switched gears for Twelfth Night. I play the fool in Twelfth Night, typecast. And um, what's interesting about that, that's normally played by a man. So they've recast it as a woman. And the director, Joe Davis, did that on purpose. She recast a few of the female characters because the gender gap mm. is quite massive. It was written 500 years ago. But it still sounds like it's still... There. So but it's a lot of it's also about women dressing up as men and, and the gen- playing with gender. It's amazing. It's literally like gender bending. Viola, or she's now being called Viola, she arrives in Illyria and she decides very wisely she's vulnerable to dress like a dress man, like a man yeah. to get some power. To get some male privilege. Yeah. She decides to be a eunuch male. So it's an interesting choice of male, but that's what she goes for. But she probably does that to sexually protect herself. Yeah. She's smart. And actually, as part of the research, a few of the female cast members, uh, we did a drag king workshop. So we all dressed up like men and went out for the night. And people said to me, oh, you're going to find that really easy, aren't you? I couldn't find the man. I really couldn't find this man. I thought, oh, maybe with my blue hair, I'm going to be a hairdresser or I'm going to be something else. Eventually, I found the man. I am Kev from Birmingham. <laughs> But we, we all did. We all sat with our legs. We took up more space. We were all a bit louder and a bit brasher. And I'm loud. We're loud. Mm. But I felt like I didn't have to apologize. I, I felt like I, I felt like you just be loud. You could just be loud without apology. Yeah. It's a weird thing if you're loud as a woman. People are always telling you to be quiet, aren't they? Mm. Like, it's always like you're slightly embarrassing if yeah. you're loud as a woman. Yeah. Like, it's that thing. The second someone tells me to like be quiet, doesn't it make you want to like headbutt someone? Yeah. I. <laughs> Because you just keep you, you're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> sorry, you, your nose bleeding. I was, on a, um, I was on a, a yoga retreat in Were France. you loud on a yoga retreat? No, no. <laughs> Not loud, no, loud they, on yoga. they did have one day, they did have one day uh, where we had to be quiet, but we went out for dinner on this yoga retreat in France 
And we got told off because it was a group of British people and the French people complained we were too loud. And I thought, God, imagine being told off as a too loud yoga retreat. Like, <laughs> that's embarrassing. But I, today I was on a train. A guy was coming out of the loo as I was trying to go in and he knocked my necklace and one of the chains, it's, it's got lots of charms on the end if you're listening at home, and one of the chains came off and it's really important to me, really precious. And I went, oh no. And he went, oh, I'm sorry, love. And was so unsorry. He was so unsorry. He just had that kind of male privilege where he didn't think it was his fault, it was just an accident. If that had been me and I'd knocked somebody's jewellery and had broken it, I would have been, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Can I offer to pay to fix it? I'd still be saying sorry now, even though I'd gone off the train hours ago. I'd be texting sorry, I'd found them on Facebook, I'd have sent them four new necklaces. This man was just like, yeah, it seems to be your fault. I was like, how? In what world is it my fault? But he looked at me like, we all know it was your fault. To ask a question about male privilege or anything else you've got on your mind that's burning. Hi, um, you were talking about how you know we should infiltrate the spaces and go into them and start working in them. Is that the best way to go forward? Or as for myself, a, a white cisgender woman, should I be kicking off a fuss and saying, "Look, you need to be including more people," or should I try and infiltrate it as it comes? Well, I mean, you might be talking to the wrong person here. I'm all for overt. But actually, I'm working with the director that we're working with, Joe Davis. She's so calm with it. She does that, probably that low voice thing. And I'm learning a lot from that. I think there's a power in the delivery. You know, use whatever you've got. If you're funny, use your humour. If you've got long legs, just kind of stride around with them a lot. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I think if you've got whatever, blue hair, just use whatever you've got. If you're really smart and quick and you know loads of facts, use all your facts. Like that. Go in with facts. Do you know what I mean? Or you know a really good recipe for something. Just go in, hi, I made the most amazing meal last night. You wouldn't believe it. And I just ordered a massive bit of cake. <laughs> Sit there eating a really big bit of cake and give them small bits of cake. That might work. I don't know. Just so a few Kate, ideas. Kate's voted for a vert. <laughs> Every time. I also think, I think as white, cisgendered, straight women, we absolutely should self-include. My new mantra is, I can't get anyone else into a party I'm not invited to. So I need to get myself invited to all the parties, use all of the privilege I have yeah. to get into influential rooms, onto influential panels, whatever it is, and then go, oh, who isn't here? Who are we not including? Yeah. And actively include I agree. I think you can be the people that make it happen for other people. Even within the LGBT community, I always say whichever bit of the LGBT you're in, adopt another letter and become a champion for that. I'm a big bi champion. I'm not bisexual, but I'm really positive about bisexuality because I feel they might get ignored. The men here, you might be the gatekeepers, so open those gates and use your power for us. Yeah, and also... Now. Just, just, yeah. <laughs> who's not clapping why, not? why were you not clapping is it just too much effort it's just you were just like yeah I agree they'll know I agree I'm in the front row no need to clap I was um, thinking about what you guys were saying you, you were thinking was, about something was, else weren't you <laughs> were you thinking about football or no, were you no, sorry absolutely not no absolutely not genuinely what do you think about male privilege do you feel you have it I'm learning in recent years that I uh, I probably do have it. And I hate it, to be honest. I do. I well, privilege is really I, I, nice. Don't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. Just I, I, use I it better. what I've got, but I also I am learning that it actually... The people around me are... are... You didn't think tonight would be like this, did you? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realise I was on the front row until about that half an hour before we got here. Like, really? You've done there. really well. You've escaped really well. Until I know. now. I know, right? You'd nearly got to the end of the show yeah, and you were thinking, it's all right, I'll be in the pub soon. No. <laughs> What's you your name? Just... Will. Will. I don't know if we'll be able to get this. Chris, can you hear anything Will's saying? Yeah. You can? Oh, well okay. done. Oh, well, we'll be able to use all of it. Oh, that's because you're right now. You're tall and white, Will. I noticed yes, that. They're two, they're two privileges. Yes. Your girlfriend is now holding on to you like you're a handbag in a crowded marketplace. <laughs> What do you do for a living? Uh, I've she stepped away from the handbag. No, she has. She's dropped him now. She's gone. No, it's not worth it. He's going down alone, she said. Uh, what do you do for a living, Will? I manage coffee shops. Manage a coffee shop? Yeah. Brilliant. Would you like to give it a plug? 
No, you don't want us coming in there, do you now? <laughs> Is it a Manchester one? It's, it's nationwide. It's a small chain called Gourmet Coffee Bar. OK, we will come in and we will order. Yep. If you go into a large Will's slice of cake. Shop, yeah. <laughs> fucking large slice of cake. And All if our you... cakes are cut equally. Oh, oh, that's what you think, Will. <laughs> Who's doing the think cutting? Who's doing that? They look equal to you, don't they? That's the problem. Do you know who thinks cakes are cut equally? People who get the biggest piece. <laughs> no, no, Will, I'd love to give you the final word, but sadly, there's no time. <laughs> uh, you've been lovely, though. Thank you so much. Ashling, what have you got to tell us about? Uh, well, speaking of gatekeepers and allies... A lot of people don't know here in Manchester and Liverpool that these are two cities which welcome a lot of Irish women because abortion is illegal in Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, but also a country within the UK, Northern Ireland. They went into their houses when they went to the Women's March in January and they raided women's houses to look for abortion pills that they had bought online to help out women. So we've started a Manchester support and solidarity group which is called Choice for Ireland Manchester. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook. On Twitter, it's Choice for the number I-R-E Manc, M-A-N-C. And if you think that you can't do much in Manchester for something that's across the sea or Northern Ireland, just remember that grassroots movement in the LGBT community in Ireland and in the Irish diaspora, so New York, England and Australia, led to Ireland being the first country by national referendum to allow gay marriage. So this is something that we can do as long as we all try. So we're trying to repeat that we want a grassroots movement to swell and to force the Irish government to have a referendum and repeal the constitution, which at the moment just does not allow abortion at all, to the point where a woman was kept on life support when she was brain dead so that she could be a vessel for her baby. So could you please tell us what we can do? Where do we sign up or what do we follow or how do we activate it? There's multiple um, Twitter accounts which you can follow for the general campaign. One's just Repeal, so the Repeal Project, and that's a project which is based in Dublin. The Abortion Rights Campaign is another project based in Dublin. But for here in Manchester, we're going to be organising table quizzes, meetings. We're going to be on the Solidarity March, which is in Piccadilly Gardens and Albert Square on the 20th of May. And we're going to have sign-making party before that so that we can make Repeal the Eighth signs, which is the Eighth Amendment of the Constitution right. in is Ireland. Is there a Facebook page that all these guys can sign up to? Yeah, it's called Choice for Ireland Manchester. Choice for Ireland Manchester. Please, everybody sign up. I'm in. If you're listening at home, sign up, because that sounds truly horrendous that they're raiding women's properties where they're at marches for abortion pills. That's horrible. Uh, so can we have a big round of applause for Ashling for speaking up? loads to plug. <laughs> so, Twelfth Night at the Royal Exchange in Manchester. Very special. It's the first time I've been in a Shakespeare play. I never even studied it at school. So just come along just to see that. <laughs> uh, I'm also, our, our social media, transcreative.uk is all our social media. My uh, Twitter is Kate O'Donnell with an X. Also, I've got a new show called You've Changed. <laughs> I like to take insults and turn them into shows. My last show was called Big Girl's Blouse, which is what my dad used to call me. And this show, somebody, when I transitioned and started doing performing, they said, do you know, you've changed. And I thought, I use that for the name of a show. So that's going to go to Edinburgh at the Summer Hall in Edinburgh. Wonderful. Do you have any I'm a Feminist parts? I'm a feminist, but... I did remortgage my house and spent over £25,000 on a new nose, some tits and a design of vagina. <laughs> Jen Bristol, do you have anything to plug? Oh, no, not really. Uh, I, I'm, I'll, I'll be doing my show, the other one, at some point, but they haven't given me the dates, so I can't give them to you. But just know that that will be happening at some point. We will. OK, I would like you all to listen to Global Pillage, which is my diversity-based comedy panel show... Jen and Kate, would you please both be on my comedy, yes. diversity-based comedy panel show? Uh, it's called Global Pillage, and it's about cultural diversity. Two teams of comedians versus the hive mind of the audience. As uh, so the audience get to play, it's really fun. It's sort of like idioms and stuff. If we bring it to Manchester, will you all come? Yeah. 
if you'd like to listen to it, you go to globalpillage.net. And it's like, would I lie to you, one of those shows, except we let women play. Um, uh, it's, it's really, really good fun. Please listen to it. And also, please keep listening to The Guilty Feminist. and uh, Follow The Guilty Feminist on Twitter at guiltfempod. Check out our Instagram, instagram.com forward slash The Guilty Feminist. Like our Facebook page. Sign up to our mailing list to get notified as soon as a new episode is released. And please, please, please go to iTunes and rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people find the podcast. Give it five stars. You can give every episode five stars. Just because you've reviewed it once doesn't stop you reviewing it every week. You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host, Jen Brister, and our special guest, Kate O'Donnell. The recording engineer was Chris Sharp. Music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Zielinski for The Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Tony and Hannah and PBJ Live and everyone at the Dance House Theatre as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. Oh, I was just going to say... Uh... There's something conspiratorial happening behind me. Sorry, um, it's a technical matter. No, I was just going to say... Um, are you having an affair with him? Well, it's very blatant so. if you are. I am, I am shagging him. I am shagging him, but I've been married to him for many oh, years. Oh, fine. So. That's fine. Well, I'm very interested if you pick that up. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Yeah. Oh, Tom, that, that sex appeal that you carry around with you everywhere you go. I thought he's very keen running on stage, flirting with you. <laughs> We've been married for a long time. There's very little flirting. He did hover for a little bit too long. Yeah. It's... I wonder what he thinks about male privilege. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Zelensky, do you have anything to say about male privilege? No. <laughs> good point. See, see, that's good. Very wise, He's not Tom Zelensky. Very wise. Yeah, not censoring himself. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 